The Real Man Sports Podcast, part of the Chris List Podcast Network, is back. I'm Alan Zislowski of RotoWire.com. List, I was just looking. You hadn't done a sports podcast in, uh, let's say, since the middle of March. It's about eight, nine weeks. Does that correlate with how your fantasy baseball teams are doing? Is Are you hiding a little bit? <laughs> no, I'm not. I've been posting the state of the state every week. And in fact, my teams are doing well now. Got a couple in, I think, fourth. One in sixth, or maybe two in sixth, then one in seventh out of 15. So they're all in the top half. And this is a contrast to about two, three weeks ago when they were all in double digits. And I, when I say double digits, I mean 10 or 11 out of 12, 13 out of 15. So in the last three weeks, I'm in the top half and I'm moving up. Now I've got some problems in ERA in a couple of them that it's going to be very hard to really get into like overall contention, but um, I don't have a bad team anymore. So it's not that. That's not why I didn't do it. Um, part of what I did during baseball is I outsourced my teams, as you know, to other people, which is going great. Those guys are doing a great job. I'm enjoying it a lot now. Um, and I just am not as up. I'm not that up on it. I mean, I'm up on it a little. I check the box scores every day, but I'm not like I wouldn't like do a baseball podcast because I'm like just box score checking. I'm not really looking deeply into it. Yeah. So. Why don't you, if you just don't like the management, nobody does, why don't you do high stakes best ball? I mean, those exist now um, with an overall prize, with a league prize. You can get in there from everything from like 25 bucks to 300 bucks for best ball. That seems like it would fit your lifestyle now. It fit my lifestyle because I don't even know that I even have it after I've drafted it. But the, but the problem with best ball, and I said this in football too, it's the same thing. It's just a war of attrition. It's like, oh shit, I only have seven healthy pitchers in my lineup this week. Oh, it doesn't matter that i caught all three of the seven are like breakout guys i'm literally just missing or the three closers i drafted they're all injured or, or lost their jobs like there's nothing i can do about it um it's just a different game it's not the same thing you know when you draft for fantasy baseball or football in a league where you can make moves you're drafting for upside and you know you might miss but then you'll adjust but if you know you can't make moves that really changes everything right it's all floor because let's i'll give you just a perfect example um let's say you are looking at drafting a kicker. This is the easiest, simple example. Unlike a really good team that attempts a lot of long field goals. Harrison and- Butker on the Chiefs. Perfect. Perfect example. And let's say they're like, Butker was just okay last year. We're bringing in this new guy for competition who's, you know, been around and could be good. Now, let's say it's like, you know, round 17 or 18 and all the kickers you like are off the board. And you're like, I think Butker's going to win the job, but I'm not sure. Right. You just take Butker, and if he loses the job, you drop him the first week and pick up another kicker. No big deal, right? But you should definitely take the guy who could be the top three kicker if he's the guy who takes the job. Now, contrast that with the best ball league where you've got to, you, know, you want to have a couple of kickers. You're not going to take a guy who has a 40% chance of not even getting the job to start the year. You can't take him. So you're, you're drafting for floor, not ceiling. You'll take a veteran kicker on a team that just paid him some money that you know is going to have the job unless he absolutely implodes. And, and that's sort of, you know, that's the most, stark example but that's kind of the the thought process in every single round and then you know what's the fun of that you know it's like oh i'm just playing defense every round is just defense but the that you're actually stating the reason why nobody does one best ball league and i know you hate this term like shares and portfolio and i ever since you said it you've ruined it for me because it's all (laughs) over you know like i hear it now i used to not hear it but that's why people create a portfolio of best ball teams nobody that takes it seriously does one or five they do 50 they do 25 and obviously it's fun to draft so yes it is a different game and your point is taken so 
Go ahead. Let me say something about that, right? There's these guys. Um, I know Nelson Souza's one in football. And look, these guys are good players. They know what they're doing. They probably make a lot of money doing it. I haven't audited their books, but uh, you know, they probably wouldn't buy all these teams if they weren't profitable. And that's perfectly fine. They're contributing to the overall prize, right? I mean, everything that every entry that they're doing is is helping everybody else. But they probably have it like that, like a portfolio. Like they know that some guys are going to be injured. Nobody can predict that. Um, but that's just a different game. That's just like, okay, I'm now uh, becoming a professional investment manager of football instead of the stock market because maybe I know way more about football and I'm more into football. So I'll just do that. And if that works for him, that's great. And no, there's no disrespect there. But that's not what the game I want to be in, right? Like I want to be in the game where I have the glory, where I win the overall, where I not, and, and I'm sure he obviously wants to win the overall, but, but it's more like, well, if you have 50 teams and one of them wins the overall, it's not the same thing as if you have, you know, three teams and one of them wins the overall. Secondly, um, it's more about the glory of having like the greatest team ever or the greatest season ever, like Phil Dusso did a few years ago in baseball. Like that to me is the Holy grail, like going all in on a bunch of players, not diversifying because of course I don't want to lose a hundred grand. If I have every Barkley on every team and he gets hurt in week one, right? I don't want to just throw away a hundred grand. And, right. and that makes sense if, if, if that's your goal, but I want to win the four leagues that I'm in and have three of them finish in the top 10 overall. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do now. It's very hard. And there's a good chance in my entire lifetime that will never happen, but I don't give a shit. That's the game I'm playing. Um, and so it's, you can't really compare people with two totally different goals. Um, and, and again, I'm not shitting on one of the goals. I'm just saying that's just not my interest. You're a traditionalist. You, you know, you grew up, this is not the fantasy game you grew up on. Right. I mean, and I understand that, like, you know, it's, you had a home league and it developed into high stakes and you know, okay. So I can certainly understand but, that. But so, it's, it's not just that it's not even tradition. It, it's that I want to get it right. I want to make the big bold call and get it right. I, I don't, um, just want to have sort of, I've got 60% share of him and 48 of him. <laughs> to me, that's like it's so subtle, you know, it's like, well, I sort of like him. I've eight, I've, um, gotten the best, um, expected value per round per pick as closing, best as I could. closing line some, value on picks, closing, closing line. line value on my pick. <laughs> and I have some diversification so that even though I thought this was slightly better, my algorithm said that, you know, I needed a little diversification because I've got too much. I mean, Again, that's that's a perfectly valid game to play that you can do on the same. It's it's the same platform. The NFBC is the same platform whether you play it my way or you play it the portfolio game. That there's you can do both, but I'm interested in this one, and so the merits of the other, which there are merits, are of no interest to me. So you talked about how you were basically at the bottom of the standings in your fantasy baseball leagues, and now you've climbed. What's changed? Are, are players that you picked that underperform now? Uh, making up ground or were there some pickups that your guys made? What's changed over the last month and a half? All the above. I mean, I think I uh, motivated my managers, you know, with the pep talk. No, I mean, you know, some of the guys like Corbin Carroll caught fire. We got, you know, Verlander Tatis back in a couple. I'm mean, not that they've been doing that great, but uh, Mookie Betts caught fire. You know, we just, a couple of the guys I drafted did well in a couple of leagues. Um, Chris Bassett, the hound um, has, been uh, very good for us. Lance Lynn has not. That's the one thing that's really killing it. ERA is my weakness in most of these leagues. Um, but yeah, you know, it was early and there's extreme samples. One of them um, would be really good, except I have Kyle Schwarber, who's got like 16 or 17 home runs, but he's batting like 180. And so we're like way, way down in batting average. And like Kyle Schwarber, unless he hits like 270 the rest of the way, is literally just your drawing dead in the overall if you drafted Kyle Schwarber, because the 180 batting average, it just, you can't, 
you can't be in the top 20 percentile that you need to be in average in the overall to, to be in contention. You just can't do that with a 180 guy with full-time at bats. So, you know, last year he wasn't that bad, but for some reason that, you know, he's, he's hitting 180 now. Who was somebody when you did draft it, thinking back to the first part of the season here that you, you thought for sure, like you just, you couldn't pull the trigger like in the fifth round, eighth round, 10th round, whatever it was. And just because you weren't sure and it worked out, like they were a player that hit and you're, you're having a little bit of regret, regret or FOMO that you didn't get them and that you should have seen the case. I always like hearing about guys because there's so many in all fantasy sports. I'm like, oh, why didn't I just go with my conviction here? And it, it kind of, if only my season would have been so much better. Yeah, you know, there's there's a guy could have gotten in two leagues. One of them I took Verlander over him. It was Spencer Strider. And we'll see by the end of the year, Verlander, you know, what, what happens. But um, at first I was off of him because he's a really hard thrower and he's young and those guys always end up with Tommy John surgery. But then I did more research and realized he had it a couple of years ago. So he's sort of like in the safe zone from that. And that's the biggest worry with these hard throwers who are great, you know, their first year. Um, and then in the main event, I narrowed down him and Garrett Cole. Cole's doing great. He's, he's not like his peripherals aren't as good as striders by any means but those are my two top pitchers and i and i was picking 14th and i went with mookie who's been great and tatis who's now starting to catch up after the three-week suspension um but strider was probably the guy i was looking at and you know at least as of right now that would have been a, a better pick than tatis um so that's a little bit of a regret um and then and, and this is one you know around uh on the three four turn you know all these pitchers went around two and i was like oh i'll take wheeler or um I'll take Wheeler or Julio Urias. Urias is on the, on the IL. And they both went like they're at their absolute highs. So I, I missed out on them. They should have been there. And, and Wheeler's okay, but not great. So I, I kind of got bailed out. I got Matt Olson and, and Corbin Carroll there. But one guy that was there by, via ADP at his real ADP, who was a pitcher, was Gaussman, who's been amazing. And I remember thinking, I don't want Gaussman. I don't like, I don't like, his, uh, I don't like the story underneath the, the numbers. And so that was, that was my biggest error of like Galston, you know, instead of Matt Olson would have been a, a huge win for me um, so far at least. And, uh, and I didn't do it. If, if you were redrafting right now, I always, who do you think is the clear one, one right now? If you're, if the NFFC Acuna, started- Acuna. Oh, you, or you mean for baseball? Yeah. I think yeah. Acuna is just, he's stealing like ridiculous bases, hitting for power average, right. scoring a ton of runs. I think Acuna is the one, one, but Strider, you know, would be right there. And Shane McClanahan wouldn't be, you know, he'd be up there and, um, you know, so those are just a few of them. Yeah, and the other thing I always think is interesting is that, like, you know, hearing you talk about baseball for years, it's it's the trends. Like, people go heavy pitching. You know, it's almost like they were pushing up a position, and then they go, maybe we shouldn't, and steals important, push them down. So where do you think, like, roster construction, like the trends are going to be for next year based on what you've seen so far? So it's interesting because a lot there are only, like, one or two pitchers going. Only one pitcher went in the first round of my draft. Actually, Verlander with maybe first pick of the second, mm-hmm. guy, uh, Team 15, and then Strider and Cole went after I took Tatis, you know, went a couple picks after me. Um, but there was only Corbin Burns in the first round. And I was on board with that. I was like, you know, none of these pitchers really stand out. Cole's peripherals and ERA were more three-ish to 350. It wasn't that like 250 dominant guy. DeGrom was such an injury risk. Um, and so it was like, wait, I'm pitching. But it turns out that the couple of guys that got Cole and Strider and obviously uh, McClanahan was, you know, more like third round. He, he was a little later, but, you know, mm. he's been good. Um, the guys who got the right pitchers really are, are doing well because a lot of the pitchers busted. So I, I think that, you know, it, the main event, they got pushed up into the second round really yeah. aggressively in my league, but I think people will be pushing pitching as they always do. Um, I'm not sure if there's going to be any other overarching trend besides that though. 
Yeah. So, and I, this might seem obvious to you, but there's teams that let's say not even like in an overall contest, but what are a couple of the things that you could tell? This is one of the questions we always get over on the RotoWire YouTube page is like, it's hard to keep motivated when you're in seventh place or ninth place. What's something that a few things they could do to, to maybe the second half of the season, really just keep pushing up the standings to try to make it into their, their playoffs or into the, where the money finishes. Well, realize like a third of your league is going to quit at some point, no matter what. Right. That's so it. like, so like That's you're already going to be an eighth, you know, at a minimum, if you, if you try all year, make your moves pretty much, unless you just have absolutely disastrous injury luck. Um, so that's this the baseline, right? And then if like your team isn't the absolute worst, you know, sixth is kind of the baseline, you know, in your 12 team league. And then how much luck does it really take to get into, you know, the third spot? Probably not that huge of a difference between sixth and third. Um, I had a team in 2019 that I, I, I know this because I left Lisbon in June, uh, late June to go to the States for a month and a half. And my team was in ninth place in its league. And when I got back, it was not only in first in its league, it was like, you know, top 20 overall out of 2000 teams. Everybody just went bananas. Like it was like the year you Darvish in the second half just went Like I just had all these guys that all went crazy at once. Um, and I remember coming home and I, I, don't, I think I, my computer just gone on sleep mode. It, I didn't turn it off. And when I put the screen back on, I saw the cached page of, I was like, holy shit, I was in ninth place, you know, a month and a half ago. And now I'm, you know, top 20 or 30 overall. So, um, you know, it's, it's rare that everybody on your team gets hot at the same time, but, um, you know, it's, it, it's, you never really know. And it, it's really the, the sort of probabilists who are like, well, now you only have a 1% chance to cash. Is that really worth my time? And let's do the math. Maybe I'll just bail on this. Never think that way in life, right? right? It may be true. Maybe, you know, just fucking try, you know, you did this thing, you committed to it, go all the way in at the end of the year. Then you get a break and then you can reassess whether you want to do it again. But don't be one of those people who's like, oh, well, what objective percent chance do I have to cash now? Is it really worth my time? Just go in for the long haul and, and don't think like that. I always say that in, in football, too, especially like in, when I play in a lot of the dynasty leagues that in any given year in your 12 team league, you're probably only competing with seven other teams, eight other teams, because people go into like instant rebuild or in fantasy season long baseball, they quit, you know, by July 4th. Like, all right, I'll just start looking at my football teams or something like that. By the way, the I, you know, I'm, I'm staring at you now and most people will hear this on the audio podcast is that you put up that uh, the before and after 2017 versus 2023 Chris List picture. Um, um, I, I mean, you, you don't look as gray in this picture right here. Did you use some just for men? It's not like I should be, I should be using some hair jokes here, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, so you're living in a glass house, Alan, uh, so <laughs> you're living in a paper thin glass house. Yeah. No, uh, no, so you look, you look, you look much more, uh, you know, back to color that, that picture, I, I don't know what the angle was, but that looked particularly, I, I don't know if you picked it on purpose or like that, but it's, it looks fine. Listen, I'm jealous of that hairdo, but, um, what, what was the inspiration for putting up? And for those who don't know, Chrysalis, uh, had a, a Twitter picture from 2017, full uh black strong hair and then he still has a nice beautiful head of hair but it was a little more salt and pepper so to speak well it's thinner you know it's getting thin up here i don't know <laughs> if you can see it i mean the light is a little different but uh and it, it is you know the, it's dark in here so you can you can't really see it looks darker right. it's pretty gray um you know heather reminds me all the time that it's gray and uh but i just wanted you know accuracy right like i identify as a much younger man and i do want by the way i want everyone to address me as the younger man that i imagine that i am yeah okay i don't want you to address me in your mind i don't want you to sub i don't want you to misage me don't misage me don't yeah. you misage me alan yeah but right, the point right. is but the point is 
I, you know, I, I believe in objective reality personally. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt like, you know, I'm tweeting out all this stuff. You know, these Kalinowska files are coming after me for my threads and I'm tweeting out this stuff and I don't want you to think this young guy is tweeting this shit out. And, and it's funny because I keep looking at, you know, when I'm on Twitter, I'm like, who's this guy in my feed? Who's this old guy? Oh, that's me. That's right. me. I forgot. I, I changed my picture Jeez. that they've been there for so long. Um, I may not stick with that one. I think Sasha took that or, or Heather took it at my birthday. And you know what you don't see in that picture is that's just my head because it's, you know, it's Twitter. Mm. But I had a margarita, a giant margarita and a beer. Um, cause I doubled, I ordered both cause I wanted both. It was my birthday at a Mexican restaurant. So, um, you just see the, the elder statesman, uh, headshot. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, you know, I was going to troll you a little bit, but like you said, as a bald man, I have nowhere to go with this joke right yeah, here. I mean, yeah. I'm just like, you know, I'm opening myself up for, yeah. uh, an avalanche of crit criticism. You know, you could put in any picture, uh, a meme of any president before and after they took office would be the funny meme. To well, it's like Obama. Them. Obama right. had black yeah, right. hair yeah. when he was, you know, 44, 45. And then right. he had totally gray, white hair and was going bald. It's the same. It's a really weird thing, though, because it's not that long ago, 2017. And it looks like I aged like 20 years, you know, but it's Six like years. That's a long time. But I mean, that's just the, like if you look at a picture of me at 40 and 45, there'd be no difference. But it's just that's the stretch where your hair thins and you get you know, really gray. I remember speaking of just for men, Greg Ambrosius, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to bust him, but I remember I started getting gray in my beard. I used to have, you know, a little beard a lot. And uh, I started getting like gray patches in my beard, maybe in my early forties, late thirties. And he was like, Oh, you need to use some just for men. Cause Greg's got this dark beard. He's like 60 something, you know, I'm not saying he uses it. I'm just saying he told me that I needed to use it. Uh, at one point, I used to love when you bust them on the air about just for men, because, you know, it's not it's it's always such an obvious thing when someone's using it. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I want to I want to change off bas uh, baseball for a moment here. Uh, you know, I'm dying to hear your take on the the golf merger, you know, live golf. Uh, it's and specifically about this. I don't know if you if you've been following it or not, but the guy uh, what's his name? The, the the head of the Association of Golf. And the, the funny thing is that he's having to walk back a, a year ago. The comments where he said basically used 9-11 to shame people. Real man. For, yeah. Real yeah. man uses, goes, goes dark, goes dirty, right? You, you use that. You, you break out. Like, it's like you get into an argument with your wife. You don't break out like the meanest dark, like the, the most <laughs> hardcore thing, right? You don't do that. You just are like, Hey, I think you're being a jerk or you're being this, you know, you just say things that like, you know, like it's no big deal. You, you don't you, call you, her a C word. You know what I'm saying? Well, not even that. That's not even, <laughs> I mean, like personal life oh, gotcha. stuff where you, you know, some weakness from her past. You don't right. go there, right? You don't do that. You say, you're being a real jerk about this, you know? Right. And you could say that and you know, like when afterward, it's not going to like stick with her that you yelled at her about X, Y, and Z. You know, you don't go to the, you don't break out the hardcore stuff. I mean, unless, you know, you're in divorce territory and you're, you know, she no, wants to take real everything. Man go, real man goes scorched earth in any <laughs> fight with someone he loves, you know? Drop of a hat, you know, the first moment, you know? And it's just like, let's go to the, let, let's, let's, and, but look, again, I'm not saying it's not true that, well, that explain. For those who aren't exactly sure what we're talking about, just give a, like a, a top line Cliff Notes version of what we're specifically referring to. Okay, so I don't know much about this controversy, but the LIV thing is like paid for and sponsored by Saudi Arabia. It's like Correct. their little league, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's so much money there that a lot of the golfers were like, oh, I'm going to play on this tour. And of course, that's like an existential threat to the PGA. And so they're like, this is really bad. We want to deter this. 
and all the court in basically they have unlimited money to fight it in court because of obviously the Saudi government has unlimited oil money. And basically the controversy, though, is that the head of the PGA a year ago was telling people do not leave here because if you do. And again, I'm paraphrasing. If you leave here, you're basically you, you love 9-11, right? You right. love 9-11. You did 9-11. You did 9-11, right. And now he's walking it back. And if you see all there's more ums and ahs in his statement now. So really is uh, do you think this thing blows over? Do you think this guy has to leave? I mean, all the people, I mean, or do you think that the people are pearl clutching and like, look, this is how well, business is done. That's really what I'm trying to well, ask Well, it's here. the kind of thing. It's like, if you, if you go too far in the argument, can you stay married? You know, that's it. And you know, he went back and merged, right. And like did a deal with them. But if they're really the nine 11 people, right. And you know, look, let's be honest. The Saudis were, you know, it was like most of the people in nine 11 were Saudi nationals, you know, um, bin Laden himself was a, a Saudi originally, there's probably some support from the Saudi government for this stuff. So, um, you know, we don't know about 9-11. It's all classified. I mean, look, 22 years later, our government classifies everything. They don't want us to know anything. I mean, we don't know. You know we know that just, hey, RFK just said, hey, they, the CIA killed my father and uncle. And <laughs> I believe that. But that's not the official position because nobody knows because it's all fucking classified. And there's a, every little thing. I mean, we could go a whole podcast on this. But like, what about that Vegas shooting? That random guy? No one knows what the fuck happened there, why it took so long, how to get all the guns in. There's like a million of these things. You should, you should, um, this guy Spreadopedia is a good follow. He was tweeting about the Boston Marathon bombing, how much CIA shit was involved. There is so much stuff that like we don't get told. And so, you know, 9-11, we have no idea, but we do know that it were Saudi nationals. And it, it's not like without basis that there should be some accounting. It's fucking 9-11. There should be some accounting for that. So fine. But you can't say that to them and then go merge with them and act like, oh, wait a second. You know, you're just that was just some harsh rhetoric. Like, I, I feel like that's the problem these days is like no matter how fucked up something is right in the end, they're like, oh, that was just some they just sweep it under the rug and move on. Like that was just some um, that was just unfortunate. Yeah. So if you were this guy's PR advisor, let's say like, look, you're you, I know you don't want to represent a, a worm like that, but let's say they just offered you a deal you couldn't refuse. What would you advise him? What would you say? Hey, this guy needs to step down or what's the position? Just be honest. Right. And say, hey, look, that was our position then. And now we're we've changed our mind. This is best for the business and the health of golf. Like, how would you handle it? I mean, yep. I don't think you can walk something like that back. I, I think I think what you what basically happened was. He said the harshest possible thing he could say That's about it. that country and that organization that was backed by that country in order to have the, be the strongest impact in getting people not to go along with it. But the money was bigger than that. That's just the truth. And that's just a fact. Yeah. And so now he had to capitulate because the, the power was with the side that had more money and he had to capitulate. And there's nothing you can now say to that because it means that you either have absolutely no morals, you know, you, 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 there is no line that you wouldn't cross if the money says so. And so what are you going to say? And if you're the PR guy, you say, well, I just think shut the fuck up and hope that this blows over and people are just like everything else in society. Hey, you weren't allowed to leave your house without permission. Remember that? Oh, remember that? You had to show your papers to get into a restaurant. You remember that? Well, people are just like, oh, that's, that's, that's over. Let's just, let's just forget about it. Let's just keep moving on. This is how things are in today's society. It doesn't matter how crazy something was. They're just like, ah, let's just move on and, and let's not talk about that. So he may get away with it. Um, you know, I, what's worse, right? Like going there immediately as just a business thing, you know, just yeah. using that as like a business thing or totally caving after using it.
Yeah. This reminds me of like the guy who was the front man in Casino, like that little wormy guy who they put out, or the mob guys put out to take all the loans out. And at the end, you know what happened to him? They just, uh, uh, you know, basically out with him. So let, we'll move on, though. I was curious. Yeah. I mean, you, basically, you're so the people that are how about the people that are pearl clutching before? Like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing that. That's just like normal social media trolls. That'll. It, it is. I mean, I, look, I, I understand principle, though. I understand yeah. saying, like, look, this country and, and people are uh, worried about the bone saw. Remember, they chopped up that journalist and stuff. So, you know, I mean, look, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, Khashoggi, they, yeah. they, they chopped him up. Right. But the thing is, like, it's funny that we throw stones and that is fucked up. Right. To yeah. chop up a journalist. But same time, like the U.S., like we do crazy shit, too. Like, yeah. well, we just I mean, we blew up that pipeline. I mean, that, that's like an act of terrorism. And somebody blew up the dam and now we're denying, you know, it's the CIA does really fucked up shit and we drone murder people and kill people at weddings all the time. Right. And people aren't like, Oh, don't do business with the U S right. Like, and so it's a very, uh, it's a double standard, right? People are like, how can you, um, partner with these, with these people around the world? And then they're like, well, the U S invaded Iraq and killed a million people. How can you partner with the U S I'm not saying that just because we did something bad, that doesn't mean that absolves everybody else. I'm just saying that like, if you, you should, you should be, you should have standards. You should draw lines and say, this is a fucked up thing. But at the same time, um, you, you can't just ignore all the shit that you did and pretend like you can't be so selective about it. I remember, um, I'm sorry, I'm rambling on, but I remember OJ. I, when I first got to LA, um, I, I was coaching basketball in, at the YMCA and OJ's kid, you know, at the time with Nicole, you know, she was dead obviously cause he murdered her presumably. And he was there and I was one of the coaches like in that group. And he was talking to me about, you know, who was where. And then one time I was early for my game because um, my game was next. And so I was watching the game with his kid and he was there. He sat down next to me and he started elbowing me when a kid missed a shot going, that was a brick, dude. That was a brick. And he was like joking with me. And I would have been if it was just if he hadn't killed his wife and that other <laughs> dude, I would have been like, it's OJ. This is amazing. Like I'm like joking around with OJ about, you know, this basketball game. But I, gave him a I just gave him like a dirty look and was like, don't fucking talk to me. You know, like um, I didn't, I was just like, I just blew him off because I felt like I should draw a line. Like I, I shouldn't just be palling around with him because he was a famous football guy that, you know, I thought was cool after he killed those people. I thought I should have a moral line, but like, I don't think other people, it seems like they just have selective moral lines where it's acceptable in their, in their social circle. So they're like, Oh, Saudi's bad. Everyone knows that they don't let the women drive. But when the U.S. kills a million people, they're still like, oh, Michelle Obama gave George Bush a candy. He's fine. Right. You know, like it, it, it's just it, so. So that is the pearl clutching. And it's very disingenuous. But I could see somebody who had legitimate, you know, beef with a lot of this shit just saying, look, that's fucked. They shouldn't have partnered with them. Um, before we move on to football, I just want to put a, a, a note on that O.J. story that you had. Uh, I don't do you. Are you aware of who the Nelk boys are? They interviewed Trump. They're they have one of the be you know, the biggest podcasts. They're young guys that are. So anyway, the Nelk Boys, huge podcast, like, you know, basically almost a Joe Rogan sized podcast. They're the younger generation, uh, but they interview a lot of celebrities. They had OJ on and they asked him one of the best questions ever. They go, they go, how come they go? Are you mad that they never found the killers? <laughs> and he goes, oh, I don't want to talk about that. He goes, yeah, right. <laughs> that was their first question. They asked yeah. him, I'm going to send you the link for it. They go, are you mad yeah. that they never found the killers? You know? Yeah. 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 He, goes, he goes, why do you think they never did? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and OJ just should, clammed yeah. up. Why isn't the guy who did it just come out of the woodwork and, and admitted it by now? Huh? Yeah. 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 All right. Let's talk some fantasy football. Uh, I'm so happy that uh, in June that you're ready to talk fantasy football a little bit. And Ish. 
ish. Yeah, which is ish. We're not going to get into the weeds here because, I mean, Greg and Tom over at the NFFC, they've said they've never seen as many people coming into uh, high-stakes drafts at this time. I mean, people always come in, but now the mainstream is coming in. People want to draft. And I want to talk about the first round of fantasy football. And, you know, we may not have the answers, but I want to talk through, like, who do you think should be the number one? Let's start that. The number one overall pick. Did you get my uh, Substack? Because I, I actually just wrote a piece on the whole first round, so the timing's good. Perfect. Perfect. So if yeah. you want to reference the written piece that we're about to talk about right now, go to Chris Liss's Substack. Just go on Substack, search Chris Liss, and, he, and you did uh, the whole – you just gave, like, a, a breakdown of the first round? Yeah, my leans, my early leans. And I qualified it by saying, like, look, and you and I have talked about this, Alan, like, where if it's May – you have your leans, right? Just based mostly on last year and whatever. And then by the time it's like July, August, and you've read a million things and people are arguing and you can't get your, you can't get your, um, you can't get your thoughts separated from the thoughts that you've absorbed from everybody else. And then you're like, I think this is a second rounder, but you're like, wait, is this just because it was ADP and because of five different people I know who I respect like this guy? And then it gets all tangled up. And then you're like, damn, whoever I liked in May was always the best leans. Those are the best ones. So I'm going to do more research and I can change my mind, not based on people arguing, but, but, you know, me like unearthing facts. And I actually unearthed some facts about Cooper, Cooper cup that changed my mind while I was writing this piece. Positive I I or negative? Positive. Okay. I was okay, going to I'm, cup. I'm, I'm more negative on him, but you know, I, so we agree though, Justin Jefferson is 1.1. There's never been, I mean, multiple years there's no change in his situation at all maybe you know tj hawkinson there kind of helps him a little bit takes a little pressure off so we don't need to debate it if you have no. the one one just take justin jefferson the, right the only debate about jefferson is, is he worth third round reversal that's the only question it's not who to take it's do you want to aim for the first pick and wait till the end of the third round right and that is a good point, right? Like strategically, do you want to select one if you have the choice? But if you end up with the one, one, that's your guy. Now, number two is really where I want to have this discussion here. Um, I well, you're. I'm assuming you have more chase by your article. I just peeked at it real quick. Yeah, I right. Chase. See, see, this is where I differ, and I am. I can't find anyone to agree with me. I would take the rookie Bijan Robinson here, but let's. I mean, let's. Hey, dude, that I would not fight you on that. I would not fight you. You're the you. first person to not call me a moron, and I, I think that if you think back to Barkley's rookie year, right, S similar pedigree, top five pedigree, top ten pedigree. Um, you know, the Arthur Smith, who who used uh, Derrick Henry in Tennessee, and again, I'm preaching to the converted here. But if it, it just it's lining up for for Bijan Robinson, Barkley finishes the RB one his rookie year. By the way, Zeke Elliott finishes the RB two his rookie year. People are saying like it can't even happen. I mean, dude, you're you're making all the points I made in the article. It's very uh -huh. simple, right? It's like Atlanta had the best run blocking last year. They improved their offensive line. They've got Arthur Smith, who's the running back guy. They went out and got him at eight overall. He's going to get a million carries. He probably can catch passes. They did a little in college, but the skills are there. He's a dynamic prospect, one of the best prospects in the last few years of his running back. I mean, what else do you want? I mean, it's just he's young. He has no you know, real mileage on him um, like some of these other guys. Running backs are always at their peak skills the first couple of years. Uh, it's, you know, the, the only – case against it is you know maybe McCaffrey Eckler one of these pass catchers you know has more upside because they can catch you know 90 balls but I mean yeah I, I have no McCaffrey, problem number two. McCaffrey season ending injuries in two of the last three seasons oh yeah I'm, yeah. I'm out I'm out on him in the first round even though Perfect. he's Jacob deGrom he's Jacob deGrom you know what if Jacob deGrom makes 28 starts that's your 1-1 in baseball but here he is out for the year and you knew that when you drafted him I got one share in the fourth round and that was that, but 
you know, that's just that's just how it goes. And, and you know, you don't know what's, whether it's going to happen or not. And, and don't get fooled by he was really durable last year. That really means nothing. Yeah, and it's even if he's healthy and they're up, they're not. They're going to use load management with him. They are. They are in the Super Bowl window now. If they're, they're there's no load management with Bijan Robinson. So when you select a, a running back in the top five picks of your draft, you're not. I mean, you're hoping that guy finishes the one one. But what you're saying is this guy will finish in the top five overall. So if I pick him at two when he finishes at six overall, non quarter, you know, without counting the quarterbacks, that's a win. So I'm looking for, as you always talk about, my upside quotient is very like I want like a floor quote, a floor pick in my in round one, and then it goes. Can you actually talk that through? When is the right time to swing for upside in these football drafts? I mean, I'm upside, upside, upside as much as possible. But if you wanted to do it by like EV, you would do like floor in round one. Like let's give their 30th percentile projections for the whole first round and just take the best 30th percentile, you know, meaning like if you're going to do a hundred projections, you know, a hundredth being like their absolute career year and zero being their out for the year, the 30th percentile where they, you know, where they are below average, but they, you know, they play most of the time. Um, that's who you take in the first round, whoever's best at that level. And round two, you do a 40th percentile. And round three, you do a 50, 60th percentile. And as you get to round four and beyond, then you start going 70th, 80th. And you're round 10, you're doing 90, 90, 90. You just want, you know, the upside. And that's probably the soundest way to draft. Um, but I, I will say something about McCaffrey. If I knew that everybody in the league would play miraculously 17 games, nobody gets injured this year. It's a magic yeah, year. Right. Nobody gets hurt. McCaffrey's my 1-1. One, one. If I knew that everybody, including Justin Jefferson, who we expect to be healthy, um, everybody's playing 17, no health issues. McCaffrey is my 1-1. I will say that. Yeah, I mean, yes, but that's not what all, you know, if this, if that, you know. I I agree, but it's worth worth mentioning that, that it's not that, I I don't care about the load management. If they, if he were totally healthy, he'd get 250 carries, 235 carries, and 90-plus catches in an elite offense and pl- plenty of goal line, plenty of touchdowns. So I, I think that would be my 1-1. One, one. Um, but I don't, wanna, I, I don't want him at pick two or pick three. Yeah, Austin Eckler, a similar situation, age 28, had some you know gripes about what he they, – they gave him a little bit extra money, but I think that the Chargers, who have been like throwing fourth-round picks at a backup running back to try to get him some help, they are – there's no one that's really understanding that one of the running backs that's waiting for a phone call, the Zeeks, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, I think that the Chargers are the ones most likely to bring in someone like that. Maybe they, they should have already, but that's why I'm a little bit worried about Eckler. But you could also say that if this is his last year in the Chargers, they may just, you know, <laughs> 300 carries. Here you go, Austin Eckler. He, he the, can't do it. He can't do 300, but the fact that he does 200 with 100 catches and and goal line work, I mean, I've, he's the guy I've been most wrong on the last three, four years. I mean, that guy has killed me. He has been a monster, and I've always been too small. The running load can't be sustained. He's a pass catcher only, and blah, blah, blah. And he's just scored the touchdowns every single year, and the catches are so good. And I'm terrified to buy him now at 28 because it's like the I, I wrote about this. I drafted Frank Thomas finally one year and they had a bad divorce and he had a shit year. And I was the one year I didn't fade him. You know, I was holding the bag. And so I don't want to be the guy yeah. holding the bag the one year that I've, you know, he's killed me, you know, not on my team. And he's killed me on my team. But I he's he because he's so pass catch, you know, pass catching um, and doesn't do the truly heavy workloads. He may last a little longer than some of these other guys. So I am, I'm probably not going to want to pick around there, but I'm not going to tell people to fade him this year. I just, I, I've learned my lesson. You know what Eckler's like for you? If you've ever been at a roulette table and you just keep betting red 
and you and you keep like losing like four times in a row and you're scared to move it to black because yeah, you're like that red's going to hit that's yeah. exactly what it's right. like for you with right. Eckler because but I this is a- worse this is worse because you get worse as you age at least the red and black it resets every time this is like every year that I fade him it's more likely to be right and yet it's been still wrong and then what am I going to get back on when it's even more likely that he busts you know so it's tough yeah. all right there's two other things in the first round that are serious decisions and I, I know in the past taking a tight end in round one was like it just didn't work out but age 34 Travis Kelsey I've put out a video saying that I think he's a reasonable 1.1 maybe in like tight end premium leagues but we'll just talk NFFC single PPR I think that if somebody took him at the first overall pick and I know what you're saying just because he did it last year doesn't mean he could do it this year but you, you've always talked about how the Hall of Fame all-time greats age a little bit more gracefully. Where should Travis Kelsey, even if you're not going to take him, where do you think is a reasonable place for him in the first round? 10, 9, 7. Not gonna get him. Like, you're not going to yeah, get him. No, I don't want him. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the, the thing is that the, it's not that he was just, don't worry about last year, last year stats. I'm at the last five years, right? I mean, it's every single year with this guy. This is not like, oh, well, d- you know, don't, don't pencil in last year. The skills are there. The role is there. The environment's there. And the health has been there. So everything has been there, right? But everybody loses it to aging, every single player. And it's not always gradual. Now, tight ends do age gracefully. Um, you see Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates productive in their mid-30s. You know, Jason Witten mid-30s. But they're never, like, at their peak in their mid-30s. They're hey, just productive. Chris Liss, um, yeah. at age 37, Tony G, Tony Gonzalez, tight end two. Yeah, tight end two, but his overall numbers weren't like, you know, you wouldn't have taken him in the first round. Right. So it was just probably happy to get him in the fourth round. Right. Yeah. There were no good tight ends that year. Probably. That's a good point. Kelsey's numbers are, or he's putting up wide receiver three numbers or wide receiver five at the tight end spot. Um, And it's tight end one by a mile uh, by 10 miles. So that's why, you know, if you want to just run last year back and you want to just draft last year, I mean, you could do this. They do this in baseball. Sometimes we just use last year's numbers and we have a draft. So we already know the results. Mm. Where does Kelsey go? Three, two. I mean, where does he go? I mean, Justin Jefferson's going pretty damn high. One or two, Patrick, I think, because the positional advantage is just so, you know. Patrick Mahomes is going pretty high, considering how bad the QBs were. Um, you know, there's Austin Eckler's going pretty damn high. Um, you know, there's a bunch of guys that are really going to get uh, drafted highly. But the question is, okay, so so what's that worth, A? But B, um, I just think that, yeah, I mean, if you knew that he was going to basically pencil in the numbers from last year, then he is a top three pick, right? I mean, he is top four, um, but you know, I in, don't know. In point yeah. and a half scoring, because that's the FFPC, he actually outscored Justin Jefferson head-to-head. Right, I mean, yeah, so. that's a big point and a half. You're getting another 50 points and catches. Yeah. Um, so you're saying you're out cause he goes in the top six picks. I mean, that's locked in. I've never seen him go later than seven. I've seen him go number one overall. So you're basically, he's a complete fade for you then. I mean, if he's there at pick 10, I don't even think that you would do it. I know how you draft. I might do it at pick 10. You know, I, I, when I was doing this exercise today, when I did my thing, I was kind of thinking like, oh, this is bullshit what I'm doing. Right. I, I got to trust my leans, but at the same time, you know, the, the, the ADP is the ADP, not that ADP is sacred or whatever, but like, you know, there's a, every guy I looked into, I was like, at first I was like, I'm fading cup. Right. And I looked in the cup and I'm like, cup did the exact same thing in, in the first half of last year as he was doing in his absolutely, you know, all time season in, in 2021, he's the same guy. Stafford's the QB. 
Um, there's nobody else there who's going to get targets. I mean, he's in McVay's offense. He's going to do the, he's doing the exact same thing. The only issue with Cup is just injury or age-related decline because he's 30. And Stafford, like, too. The Stafford, you have to, his, he's tied to an injury quarterback, too. But, I mean, last year, Stafford and him was the same thing as two years ago. It was just he got Cup got hurt every look at Cup's game log. It's like eight. It's like 10 for 122 and one like every week. Yeah. And it's so it was exactly what, you know, he just kind of picked up where he left off. So, you know, I started thinking, well, and you start thinking everybody in the first round, everybody, you know, I was looking at Diggs and the 108 catches and whatever and CeeDee Lamb and all these guys like they're all the, the only guy who's 100 percent fade for me in the first round ADP is number 11. Uh, overall, which is Mahomes. There's no way I'm buying into the QBs are now worth first round picks after one year of so many QBs being bad. That that was that may be a trend, and I'll change my mind in a couple of years. But it's a trend not- in the NFFC, in the FFPC, um, where there's four points per passing touchdown. They go late round two, and they drip into round three, the top three. So it is an NFFC trend, where, which is where we all play in the Rotowire Online Championship, and I think that's still the best platform to do it. But you're right. You have if you're picking at ten through 15, they're all gone. The top three. Yeah. And, and like, I don't, yeah, I, I don't want Mahomes or Josh Allen there. I, I don't, I, I'll take Danny build. Dimes, you know, way later. I'll take, you know, even Justin Fields is going round five if I want to pay up for a QB. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when you see those three go off the board though, what the trend is now is you'll see Justin Fields going like round three sometimes. Cause people are like, listen, if this is the, mo-, and that's what my question about the quarterbacks is, do you have to adjust to the market? So if the, if no, if, because okay. it's not like closers where there's only X amount full-time guys. And you're like, shit, the closers are going, I've got to push up this guy. Cause I need my saves. Right. Do you need your pass attempts? Right. So like, who are you going to get? Uh, I'll get Danny Dimes. I'll get Aaron Rodgers. I'll get my pass attempts from those guys uh, a lot cheaper. And I, I, I don't think it's like you're, you're worried that you're not going to get a guy who has opportunity. Now, will they succeed? Okay, we'll see. But um, I, I think if people are paying up for the QBs, it's a great time to fade them. If, if It's not like you're going to run out of QBs. I mean, you will eventually, but there's always going to be a Kirk Cousins. There's always going to be, you know, Carr, guys. Derek Carr. Yeah, you're, there's always going to be somebody. And... Last year, there wasn't. This is why this is happening is because last year, you're like, oh, it's fine. I'll just use Aaron Rodgers. And it was a total disaster to use Aaron Rodgers. And a lot of guys around the league were like, it was like there was nowhere to go. But again, if this persists for a couple of years, I'll, I'll change, but not yet. Here's the, the hack. I think if you want in on the elite QBs but don't want to pay that first or second round price, Justin Herbert, I still think is part of the elite tier, but doesn't go at the elite price. He's he's in that area of like the fifth round where you don't like any of the running backs and you don't like, you know, you have to take a receiver. If you're not going to take a tight end there, there's maybe, you know, Hawkinson falls. I doubt it. But Herbert might be the answer where if you don't want to go into the elite tier and you don't want to play the, you know, the eighth, ninth round game with like Dak and all the players you talked about. Yeah, I, I don't I won't do it. I, I you know, Herbert's a, a good quarterback and. There's something limiting them. Maybe, maybe um, what's his name? The new coordinator Kellen there, Kellen Moore. Moore. Maybe he'll blow up in a way that we don't know. That's that's the upside because um, based on Herbert's rookie year, I really thought he was going to keep going and he's kind of stagnated and maybe there were, it was a little stale like the offense and and this will be the difference. So I guess I can see it. Um, I, just, I just think there's going to be QBs that you like later. There's going to be plenty. I mean, even Deshaun Watson could – you know, be elite. How dare um, you? How dare you yeah. advocate? Well, picking... Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously some people are going to have to massage their rankings, but it's, <laughs> it's not the point. It's not the point. The point is you don't really care. It was really funny. You know, I, I shot a, um, I don't know if I never showed this to you. I, I, I had a clip that I posted, but a fantasy football documentary. 
And, uh, and I'm really pissed because this guy was like advising me. I won't even mention his name. He was like, oh no, you want to cut this piece out because you're going to need the NFL's permission. And now I realize it's such bad advice, but there was a clip where a guy is like, um, he drafts Corey Dillon and, and he drafted a team and I interviewed him. I said, you know, during the day, I said, well, how do you feel about your team so far? This is a documentary about the Holly weird league. These like Hollywood producer guys. And it's a high stakes league back in the day, 2000, 2000. And I said, how do you feel about your team so far? And he said, ah, you know, um, I feel pretty good about it as long as, you know, Corey Dillon doesn't go to jail. And I was like, well, what do you go to jail for? And he goes, beating his wife. And I said, do you feel, uh, do you feel bad about taking a player that does that sort of thing? He said, no, it's not really about morals and ethics. Hopefully just performance, just deadpan. <laughs> and I thought like, oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. I, I, I blew it. He said, it's like half the league. He said, it's like half the league. And then he said, oh, nice. it's not about morals and ethics, hopefully just performance. And I just thought, you know, you know, I mean, look, it, it's fantasy football. You're not the, the truth of the matter about these things is you are not the team. Like the team does have some sort of responsibility to be like, you know, assuming everything's true or the allegations are credible. The team has a responsibility not to send a message to the community that doesn't care. It has some public responsibility, right? But you don't really have any, uh, that player is not really working for your fantasy organization. It's just a stat producing ID in the database. You don't have to worry. The people get all worked up. Oh, I'm going to drop Adrian Peterson because he uh, abused his kid, that whole thing. Tyreek like, Hill. Tyreek Hill was, was supposed to be a second round player, had those allegations, and he was drafted in the fifth to eighth round. I, again, I don't know if there's something wrong with me that I don't like. I, I just draft the stats. So I don't I, I think either you made this joke. I've adopted it, made it my own is that I'll draft Saddam Hussein if he can get me some fantasy points. You know, of I course, mean? because you're not drafting the player. It's just a, it's a fantasy. It's the player's stats. Right. It's like literally an entry into it's like a player ID in the database that accrues to the team that has that ID connected to the player. Right. It's like now I get it. Like you don't want to you're still rooting for the real guy on TV. Right. You're still subjectively rooting for the guy. But you are not your drafting him is not affecting his well-being. He's not getting paid more because you drafted him. Um, it really is just completely it, it's don't don't get carried away with the right. fantasy. Separate fantasy and reality. Right. You're not responsible for that. Um, and it, and it has, there's no ethical dimension to picking, um, a mass murderer in fantasy or whatever, as you said, Saddam Hussein, um, let's put so you I, to the I, test right now. Let's yeah. put you to the test. All right. You're at the one, one, you agreed yeah. that Justin Jefferson is the one, one, but he comes out and says, uh, you're an, a you're an asshole. If you didn't get the vaccine vaccine, everyone should get that. Like he's saying all the, uh, Fauci for president. Like he is out <laughs> there right now. Are you taking Justin Jefferson at one, one, even though everything that you have tweeted about, I mean, this is like against you. Would you do it? Yeah, I would take him. I would be distasteful. <laughs> it would be distasteful to me, right? It would be distasteful. Do you remember when, um, when the whole Devontae Adams dust up happened, when I, I, I drafted Adams in the first round and they interviewed me at the FSGA and they said like, you know, what do you think about your first pick? I said, ah, he's a mediocre talent for a first round receiver, right. but you know, he's with Aaron Rodgers. They're going to target him. And I'm taking him. And all, and somehow it got out to like Packers people. And it just like, I was like this pile on, and so, like, I was still rooting for Devontae Adams to do well, even though um, every time he scored, people were like, fucking idiot. Like, every time, like, he would do something to have a big game. It came back he was on my He was on my mm -hmm. team, you know, and I was hoping that he did well. So I think it would be like that. I would still be like, fuck that guy, but I hope you get a lot of touchdowns. Uh, the uh, some of your second round fades, and he's Brees Hall is dripping now into like the third round a little bit. I I'm out there saying like, who drafts this guy when you know? Let's say it's usually about, and this is generally ACL tears, 
10 months to return to play, which is about week one, 18 months-ish to return to, you know, full health. But I, I think that the we've seen that these guys never are 100% again. They could be 89 92% and still be amazing, Brees Hall. But especially in a format where you have, I don't know, I mean, am I just basically preaching to the convert here with you can't take Brees Hall in the first that. five rounds? I don't know about five, but definitely not in the end of the second where he's going. I mean, I, I look at Ramondre mid-third, and I'm like, how could you take Brees Hall again over Ramondre, who caught like a ton of passes? He's the guy now. Damon Harris is gone. And Ramondre is actually good. Bill Belichick loves him. I mean, I, to me, like, that's just like malpractice. Now, Brees Hall may be a great talent. The Jets could be a lot better with Rodgers. But I agree. I think it was that Adrian Peterson year in, in 2012 when he came back off the ACL nine months later and just like ran rough shot over the league that like made everyone be like, oh, the ACL, you can come back. But I think that's just the very rare exception. I want to ask you about some of your guys in the fifth round, which I, I'm looking at this and I, I'm happy that you ha you're in on Christian Watson. I don't know why he's being any, treated any differently than Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. The time that he became a full-time player, Chris Liss, Watson was wide receiver nine on the year. I know he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore, but in that one game, I know it's a sample of one that he played with, with Jordan Love. It was 100 yards. There was a touchdown. I, I'm taking him in the third round if I need to. Wow, you're pushing him up. I mean, I didn't feel like they were going to him. Well, they did, and they disappeared for a half. I was in the fantasy playoffs. It really killed me. The NFFC. That's receiver, uh, though. That's receiver. Yeah. But, like, it, it seemed to me like, you know, Garrett Wilson, they were just going to all the time. They were just, like, getting him the ball. Like, they got to get him the ball. The negative with Olave, I was looking at it, was Michael Thomas may be back. And Michael Thomas was good for, like, the four games before he was out for the year. And he may not be able to make it back. But what if he's, like, the guy that Carr likes? You know? I mean, it's not inconceivable that Michael Thomas is, like, a real guy, runs routes. I mean, like, again, he may never be the same. But I just think there's a little bit of a risk there. Whereas, um, with Christian Watson, like he, he, he and Dobbs are probably going to be the guys. And, and they drafted all... a couple of tight ends and they, you know, I, hear I, think, you. I think he's going to get targets, but I'm just not sure he's going to get 150 targets. Like he may get 130. And that's, that's why I like, I feel like Garrett Wilson is going to get 155, 160 targets. I think that's why he has, he's over Watson. The thing that I worry about with, with Garrett Wilson, why I'm not taking him in the first round, I see him going now and pick 11, pick 12, you know, never makes it past pick 15, is that Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he brings in his guys. He brings in Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's unpredictable, and he's being treated like you said, that he gets that 160 targets where you could easily see a situation where there, it's 120 targets, and that's not going to pay the bills in the first round. If Wilson is as good as advertising, he looked pretty damn good with horrendous quarterbacks last year. Um, I don't know if Rodgers can give him the rookie treatment. He didn't even give Watson the rookie treatment once Wat Watson got up to speed and was healthy again. Um, I, I don't know. I think there's maybe a slight risk of that. Um, but I think Rodgers, he's going to take some ayahuasca. He's going to think about it. He's going to come back. He's going to say, I got to get the, get the ball to Garrett Wilson. We're all going to have our player takes, guys that we like in the first couple rounds, late round, guys, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that as you know as the season goes on. But what is going to be your plan at tight end? We talked about Travis Kelsey in the first round. That's not your plan. So is it Mark Andrews in the second? Is it the fifth-ish round? Like who so, are the who are the wait on tight end guys that can pop in, uh, jump into the top five for you? So this ADP I pulled up. Uh, it's it's the last six drafts. It's from May 10th to June 1st online championship NFFC. And it's only six drafts, so it could be kind of, you know, Can whatever. I predict what you're going to say? What? Are you going to say Darren Waller? No, Mark Andrews, though. I'm just saying Mark Andrews is in the, is in the early fourth in this draft, in this <sighs> ADP. 
I mean, so let's that's, just call it a third, though, because he oh, doesn't oh. make it out of the third round usually. usually. Okay, yeah. so there might be some outlier there. Yeah. Uh, maybe when Lamar was still negotiating the contract or something. Um, I like Kittle at the end of round five. Kittle that's destroyed it at the end of last year, and like he was neck and neck with Kelsey a couple of years ago, and I don't really see a reason why there should be a huge. I loved Waller too in round six. I think he's going to be the number one receiver on the Giants. I think he needed to get out of a crappy organization and they're going to feature him. I think Waller could be tight end one easily. Um, you know, Kittle he's, he's, Waller. He's been tight end one before. Yeah. And, and Kittle Waller, you know, these guys are, they've done it. Um, Hawkinson, I think is overpriced in the round, fourth round. Um, I get it with cousins and all that, but I think you're still buying on spec with Hawkinson. Um, I love the idea of Pitts in round six, but I, know, I, I just too. think like, I just think you got to take Waller or Kittle over him and, and be happier to take those guys around earlier than Pitts. I think Pitts in round seven starts to get really tempting. Not, yeah. No one's going to, in the NFFC, they're going to, it's not, he's not falling out of six. I know because I've been in some of the NFFC best ball drafts and early on I was smashing five, five, five. I was like, maybe I don't need to do this. And then it's been six, six, six. So he's my most owned player in best ball it's, so far. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's one of those things like maybe he's just like a great athlete, but he's not that good at football like O.J. Howard or something, you know, like, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying he is. I'm just and he did get a thousand yards his rookie year. So, I mean, it wasn't like he's been a zero and he was hurt last year. I don't know. I I guess Pitts is fine there. Um, And he and again, Pitts could be tight end one, obviously. Right. I mean, that was what he was expected to be. So I'm fine with that couple other players. So the NFFC, you know, we, we've talked about this a bunch of times. It really does make sense that if you're in the right spot and the ADPs line up, that the strategy is to go receiver, 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 or at least th- three receivers in your first four or five picks because, you know, the set it and forget it nature of those guys. And yeah. you have someone around seven receiver. You've talked about this a million times where if they have two bad weeks, if Tyler Lockett, who we all love, has two bad weeks, are you really going to feel comfortable playing him in the third week? So if you do go receiver, receiver, who are some of those running backs who, you know, formally they call it the dead zone. I think it's pretty much alive this year in, in round three to five that you like if you want to start receiver heavy. So if I started with two receivers, I'd love to get Ramondre in the third. I just think Ramondre is just like, could be a first rounder. Like, I'm not really sure why he's a third rounder. Like to me, um, that's the guy. Um, and then. Uh, How about Najee? How about Najee? You interested oh, in him at all? I'm in. I put, He's one of the guys I'm yeah. in on. I mean, just in the third, it's just workload. Like, and I actually think he's good. Passes the eye test for me. You know, Pittsburgh, they've stacked up against them. Maybe Pickett takes a step and it's a real offense again. Maybe the offensive line's better. Um, but I would be more than happy to take a, a workload guy like not like Najee in round three. But I really like Ramondre. I mean, to me, that's if you can get him in round three, that's really good. And then, like, I don't mind. To, what about Cam Akers in round? He's going first my pick favorite. in round seven. He's like, literally what? my most uh, rostered running back, him and J.K. Dobbins, because of where they're going. Uh, round like, five, four like and Akers, five and six. Yeah. Akers was, you know, way overdrafted early last year. And then he was going to, like, round six, seven. Did nothing. But then at the end of the year, he, he came on and kind of showed, okay, he really is good. And, and they drafted just a six-round rookie. That's all they yeah, have behind like what? I, to me, Akers should be like a fourth-rounder. I don't know really what's going on with that seventh-round value. And then, and then the other ones are like, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's some speculative guys. I don't really like DeAndre Swift because I just think he's no. so injury-prone. that it's like. How about Dobbins? You interested in Dobbins at all now of two almost, years removed? I almost put him on my get list because he's, he's got you know, the physical explosiveness and talent in a great situation. Um, but they just tend to like mix and match a lot. Um, and then and they have Lamar Gus Edwards coming off an injury. I mean, they, it's, yeah. they don't really have much behind them at all. 
Yeah, they, maybe. Yeah, I, I guess in round five, I like that too. Um, I don't like Miles Sanders in Carolina. I just, I'll stay. Why not? Because he's been a popular, like, hey, look, they paid him a lot of, you know, follow the money bros. Yeah, yeah. You know? I don't know. It just seems like it could be a wasteland, wasteland of an offense and you're, you just end up, I don't know. It could be, you know, like Damian Pierce last year was a good pick for half the year. And it was, it could be like that. Um, what about Dalvin cook? He's going in the first pick of the sixth. Yeah. Well with Dalvin cook, I mean, so as of recording still on the Vikings, right? This reminds me a lot of last year when everyone was predicting Trey Lance, the quarterback position was going to be the start. And wait, Jimmy G's still on the roster guys, right? Dalvin cook, you know, when you're drafting Alexander Madison, so it's looking like that Denver was trying to get Dalvin Cook, but they didn't want to pay any picks. Uh, Miami's always been linked to him. Let's just say he, I mean, it's a good pick in the Miami. Six, but, I mean, Miami yeah. would be pretty good. Right? I mean, if he gets released, Miami and Denver are going to be the two. But it, it also scares me that, do you think that he would be at the top of the heap um, when you talk about the guys who are just still waiting for a team, Fournette, Hunt, yeah. oh, Zeke? No, no, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, I'm, Kareem Hunt's pretty good, actually. Um, but he's getting up there in age, too. Yeah, I think Cook. It's, it's a scary kind of a, pick. It's a scary pick because there yeah. are players that are, you know, the Mike Evans types, the the uh, Tyler Lockett uh, tight end, and you know right. these guys are going to be in your starting lineup most weeks. So when you take yeah. Dalvin Cook, you just don't want to see him end up in a situation where it's you know where he's just like you know getting half the carries and half the catches and not in for the goal line or something like that. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of guys in that range, I, you know. So I like the tight ends, you know four through six, a bunch. I like the running backs in there. I mean, I, I found this out last year and I won my prime time, not the highest stakes when I was in. And part of the reason I won it is that even though I liked like Nick Chubb passed me in like the fourth round and I already had a couple of running backs and I really wanted him. I wanted AJ Dillon. Thank God I didn't take him. And I ended up taking Christian Kirk. I took Metcalf in the fourth and Christian Kirk in the fifth. And those were such good picks because the receivers got so thin after that. And my, and I ended up getting Ramondre in the sixth. And I feel like as much as like, I look at the board, I'm like, I want Barkley Taylor Ramondre with my first three picks. Like, that sounds great. That's like, you know, the nuts, but then it's like, well, who am I going to start at receiver? And I, I think it is better to get, you know, receivers, CD lamb and Taylor CD lamb and Barkley, you know, get just one of those receivers, if not two of those receivers. And then, you know, you can get Alvin Kamara in the, eighth round or the seventh round, you know, you can get guys like acres later. Kamara is scary too, because I mean, th I think there's a, a 50% chance he misses four to six games because of the lingering suspension. But if he doesn't, you're right. I mean, you, now you have a round three player in round seven or eight or wherever he's going. I just think that that suspension is something that's scared me away well, from him. If so he misses far. four, it's fine <laughs> because you know, you got a 10 man bench and he's just going to be that much fresher. And you know, it's not like he's, when you finish the year with, you know, 1,200 yards from scrimmage instead of 1,600, but you did it in 12 games, um, that's way more valuable than doing 1,200 yards from scrimmage in 16 or 17 games. Yeah. So the suspension is not as bad as just, you know, it's not that bad, the four-game suspension. I mean, obviously, it's not ideal, but when you get in the seventh, eighth round, you've got starters. It's almost negligible to me. Yeah, there's a couple of the running backs I'm curious your opinion on because you're not tainted have having been like I've been doing best ball since basically the season ended. So I, I admit my my head's in a different place. I like the sober, fresh view. Uh, why not David Montgomery in the eighth round, given what Jamal Williams did in Detroit last year? Does that seem like or is that just like too non exciting of a pick? I mean, he seems like a smash pick in the eighth round. 
Yeah, maybe. Um, is Gibbs like they're, they're not going to use him on the goal line? Is that or they, it's like just too obvious? 190 pounds. He was a pass catching running back. I mean, I could see, you know, it's basically. They're not going to Eckler him at all where he gets some. Yeah, you're probably right. They probably did it exactly like that. Like it's going to be. Aaron exactly Jones and Jamal Williams from Green Bay. Think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark, um, Mark Ingram yeah. and Kamara. I mean, the people who got Jamal Williams in the 11th round last year were loving it. They could play him every week. Like, you know, this, you know who's the most interesting guy to me, actually? The most, one of the most interesting players that I did. I almost put him on my in list, and I just left him off both, is Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs was so good last year. I mean, he wasn't just good. He was, like, the best running back in the league last year. He was a superstar. And it was like, oh, this guy had been nicked up a lot. He's not, I thought there's, I passed on him like every draft and the guy in my prime time who should have won, except he started Lamar Jackson was out in like the first quarter. He had uh, Josh Jacobs in the eighth and Jamal Williams in like the 13th or something. It was insane. But Josh Jacobs had 340 carries last year. And I don't know. That to me is like the real. And he's on a franchise tag. So there's no incentive to save him. I mean, he hasn't signed it yet. So he doesn't, he's not even under contract. Obviously that stuff will, will get taken care of. Let me just see where he went in my latest NFFC draft. Jacobs went in, well, yeah, it's round three. Oh, wait, maybe it's, he's dropping a little more than I thought. Yeah, no, round three. Well, this is the ADP. Round two, round two. Late, late round two. Yeah, round two. Yep. So to me, that's a really interesting pick because, you know, Derrick Henry was going in the first round after those giant years that he had. They were like, oh, it's Derrick Henry. Take him pick seven overall. But Josh Jacobs is being treated like, you know, he's not that good. But I don't know if you watched football last year, people, but if you watched Josh Jacobs, he dominated. He just dominated. I mean, he looked like peak Derrick Henry, but with a little more wiggle, a little less size, a little more wiggle, and was catching passes. I mean, he was just like a complete monster. And uh, he's Pretty cheap relative to his his output last year. One more running back I want to ask you about, and then just two quick questions or three quick questions for those that are playing in Superflex League. They become way more popular where you could start two quarterbacks. But the last running back I want to ask you about, of if you're going to go receiver heavy, how about Rashad White? Uh, from a you know he catches a lot of passes he's basically unchallenged in Tampa Bay at this point they have Keyshawn Vaughn Chase Edmonds behind him Uh, I I guess they're still a threat to add a veteran maybe but it seems like they're they're in on him why isn't he going in like the fourth round Uh oh can you hear me yeah sorry you froze up for one sec but uh okay yeah um did you hear my question about Rashad yeah 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 yeah. why not you know why not him he's a starter um, I think maybe that's a good value where he's going because people, uncertainty is why people discount him. But it, you know, it's like okay, Brady's not there. It's a different, you know, Baker Mayfield. It's like, is he going to throw to the back? You know, what, how's it going to be? How's the offense going to look? Um, and they say, I just don't know, so I'm not going to do that. But in round eight, not unknown is good, right? You're looking for upside. You're not looking for certainty, so you should be actually the unknown is better, right? Like, like that we don't know that he won't get 70 catches. We don't know that he won't. Um, so yeah, maybe that's a good idea. That that is the kind of guy you should be looking for um, if you if you've gone receiver or tight end heavy early. Yeah, that, I mean, I, usually there's not this many running backs that have like you know usually you're like oh this guy's in a one B who knows but you know when you talk about Cam Akers in round five Dobbins around the same price you have Rashad White like these guys are starting running backs on their right. team. Well, it, but it takes a lot less to this place. So I mean Akers and and uh, and Dobbins will be harder to this place because they were you know the premium picks and they were, you know, they've had some success. Uh, but you know, if Rashad white fumbles once or you know, he could be, that's the thing about these guys. They're not like, they're like first cause somebody has to be first, but they're not like established first. Like, Oh, this is the guy we've committed to. 
in the same way. I think that's why they're a little cheaper, even though they don't have competition. Isn't Damian Pierce then fall under that same? But he goes two rounds ahead of Rashad White. Damian Pierce was a fourth round guy. They brought in Devin Singletary, not a threat, but would you put is Pierce more I think solid Pier- than? I, I barely trust Pierce either. I, I think that these guys that you know, I mean, I I do not agree. Obviously, with the running backs don't matter crew, but like medium running backs really don't matter. And so some guys have success for a bit because they look good because you know under certain circumstances things were were good for them. But until we know that Pierce is like a really good running back or White is a really good running back or conversely that they have some pedigree or some, you know, uh, draft investment in them that's like keeps them there. Um, I, I think it's like one of those closers in baseball that's like he's the closer ish. But if he blows two saves, like they may replace him much more quickly. What was the uh, the movie uh, Brokeback Mountain, the gay cowboy movie? What was, yeah. who, so who's your I can't quit you player this year? You know it has just not worked any year. This is your Byron Buxton, but for football, a player that you're going to draft. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, the price is good enough. He's never worked out yet. He's only failed you, but I can't quit you. That's a good question. Uh, interesting, uh, gratuitous reference. Uh, <laughs> um, it's my favorite but, movie. It, well, no, I mean, there's, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, so um, what was I going to say? You could think about it because obviously you can edit out the dead space here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Although when I do the video, I like to just post the whole thing. But uh, we're talking gay cowboys. There's this plenty. Yeah. So but while you're looking down that list, you know, in, in the past for me, it's been like Will Fuller. Like I would draft that guy uh, because, every, yeah, every, you know, obviously, Will Emptier. Will there you go. There you go. So, like, just someone that I just drafted every single year. Um, but you know, for you, who who's going to be that player that you're you're going down with the ship? Um, you're probably not even going to cut him when you should. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely guys like that in baseball that I draft every year. I don't know football. I'm pretty like I'm disloyal in football. You know, I feel like football. <laughs> it, it, it just it just turns so quickly that you know I I change. Well, he. I changed my mind on these guys. Like, you know, it, oh, uh, well, I mean, it's not a lot of years, but Elijah Moore, I'll be back in on, even though he totally burned me last year. He's looking he, that's good a, so that's far. A, looking that's, good. A he, that's a he owes me. You know, it's like I, I went in big. That's a good so one. The Jets were a bad fit for him. Eighth um, round price right now, Chris List. You're paying the eighth round price? Yeah, I'll pay it. I'll pay it, sure. I'm not going to go all in like I did. Yeah. Um, I like Rashad Penny in round nine. I mean, he's always hurt, but he could be like running back six while, you know, for the six-game stretch that he's healthy in Philly. Yeah. The two guys for me is that I'm still drafting uh, Mike Evans at wide receiver, uh, you know, 30, wherever he goes. Now, oh, Mike Evans lost a step. He's not the same. He won you week 17 last year. If somehow you got there, he had 200 yards and three touchdowns. His upside's there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it actually happened. And I know it was one game and you started them all year and it was bad, but the upside's there. And Baker Mayfield is a, a, a DJAF type of quarterback. He's going to throw it up there. I, I still think that where Mike Evans is going, I'm basically going to get him on every single team because I'm not going to bench Mike Evans. He's going to be my... In the past, he was your wide receiver one. You're like, oh my God, this is horrible. But now he's your flex player, your wide receiver three. But that's that's not a guy that um, that's burned you. That guy's delivered he mostly, right? Killed me last year, though. Like he, he's, he was wide receiver seven last year in ADP. He's wide receiver 30 now, 28. Right, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, you heard you last year, one year. I like Godwin this year, actually, for the same reason. I, I think Godwin, they say he's finally healthy off the ACL. So that's a guy I'll probably have. You know, as a guy who I was used to draft, not like obsessively, 
is DJ Chark. I always thought DJ Chark after that one breakout in Jacksonville right. would be good, but that's a really good one. And you know what? You could even say DJ Moore has never delivered either. Both DJs, right? It's yeah. like uh, uh, he's getting pushed up now where he's with Chicago. So, all right. So that so you're I like Rashad Penny for the I can't quit you because he's only burned you every time. But now you're saying the price is right. You're going to proactively draft him. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, the guy who burned me the worst. I mean, obviously Elijah Moore burned me, but it wasn't yeah. that expensive. But he was getting expensive last year. Kyle Pitts. I mean, Kyle Pitts. Uh, I got him in you know it. third round last year. That's you it. know, it's like you you know, it's been a couple of years. Even his rookie year, like he was good, but like mm-hmm. he was still getting drafted super early. All right, and then the last, you know, we were what about talking- what about DeAndre Swift? You were always a uh, you were always yeah. standing for DeAndre Swift. It's you know, I've I've pivoted, changed. No, yeah, it's, it's you know what it is. People move on, you know. Yeah, well, you know what it is is that he destruct me, and again, this could be totally different where he is now. Sometimes you're working in a work environment, and it just doesn't allow you to be who you are. Uh, he just doesn't have like that dog in him a little bit that was obvious, uh, you know. And it's just like uh, I, I want a guy like you know to use Dan Campbell's that bites kneecaps, right? Yeah. That just wasn't him. So maybe this will allow him to be himself a little bit. So I have not drafted any DeAndre Swift this year at all. So I know that was my guy in the past. Yeah, usually like in baseball, I'll buy low on the guy that had the talent, but it didn't work out, and he's somewhere else. But in football, it's like that. It's like, is he really an NFL? player you know we know he has the skills but is he it's hard nfl's hard it's it's, you know it's not everybody's cut out for it there's a you know there's a lot of in the chrysalis manifesto one time we have to put it on paper like there's certain rules that you have to drafting like one of my favorite chrysalis manifesto rules is always draft the weed guy that falls it's not looked at as as bad that was matt taibbi by the way matt taibbi used to do (laughs) now he's like reporting on like censorship right but he used to do uh his draft article every year and he said, always draft the weed guy. And he always used Randy Moss as the example. They took Kevin Dyson. Oh, because Moss smoked some weed. Oh, my God. And this is – it's different now, though, because weed is like a bunch of cope now. Everybody's, everybody's on their gummies and everything because it's legal. But back in the day, smoking weed, it was subversive. It was the cool guy smoked weed. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, like, you know, now it's like whatever. But, yeah, it was like the weed guy or, like, the, you know, the guy who was like oh, – you know, they, they overreacted to some minor infraction that he did. Yeah. All right. Super flex. And then we'll wrap this thing up right here. A lot of people are playing in two quarterback leagues. Uh, I almost play exclusively except for some of the NFFC stuff I've done in there now. So what, what is the right way to do this? Is it get a quarterback early? Like you would a running back and anchor and then just wait. Is it get two elite quarterbacks and pick at the back end of the draft? Like, how are you doing it? And then part two of that question is, who are some of the players in the back of the ADP? Let's not talk about rounds that you could see being like the perfect quarterback two. So I don't do a lot of QB flex. I mean, I like it, uh, but I don't, I'm just not in a lot of leagues like that. And it Which really, is why I'm asking you, by the way, right. because I want someone who's not like, oh, this is how everyone does it okay. type of so, viewpoint. So here's my philosophy is that the thing that I've noticed about QB flex is it's not – the ADP is not as reliable as in one QB leagues. So there's, it's like closers. Is, are the closers going – top closers going in 4-5 or are they going in 6-7? You know, well, that's outdated. It would be 2-3 or 3-4. You know, and then you've got to adjust to sort of the market. And I think it's the same with the QBs. It's like in a two QB league, QBs are scarce. And it's like, when are they going? Are people – obviously, like the top five guys go in the top seven picks or whatever – but, you know, is that next tier of guys going right, you know, a couple of running backs and right, receivers and right back to the QBs? Or are the second, third tier QBs waiting till the third round to go? And I think it varies draft to draft. And I think you got to be really plugged in to like the flow of that. And you really probably rather draft in the middle than on the ends in a two QB league because it's so unpredictable where the runs are going to be. So that's just what I'm going to say is that I don't think you can come in with a rule of like, okay, get the QB in this. You, you know, you might get your QB. You may get like your QB one, like Justin Herbert and round, you know, pick nine or something like that. 
And then round two, it's actually better to take, you know, CD lamb or, you know, or Saquon Barkley or Bijan Robinson, whatever. And then round three, there's Danny dimes for you, you know? And, and so it was perfect to get the non QB, but if only QBs are going, you might not have the luxury to wait till round three. And so I think that's obviously a big distinction now, you know, if, okay, so that's one part of it. And I, and that's all I can say is it depends. But then the well, second no, part- I just want to underline because I that's how I approach is that every market is different. Right. In some leagues that with if you're playing with less experienced players, it, they might all fall around two. When I say all, right. it's outside the top two or three, you know. But go right. ahead. Right. A lot of people are everyone started playing one QB league. So they have this like running backs receivers mindset. And so they may drop. And you know, so you got to read that. But in terms of like the late QBs, right? I mean, I think Carr was an example. I mean, he he's the guy, he's got lots of weapons why not? Right. Um, other guys like, you know, I love Danny Dimes, but he's going to be expensive in a two QB league. I know you like Jordan love. I'm not against it. Not like, I just think like QB 18, he's got the job. Like th- right. when you get in that range, there's guys that may not have the job. The Trey right. Lances, Ryan Tannehill might not have a job in, you know, by week six, you know, like, right. so job security floor matters in QB flex leagues. Yes. I mean, I like Baker Mayfield with like a, a late pick, you know? He goes QB 35 in two QB leagues. There's backups going ahead of right. him. To me, like, you know, he's he's not good, but he's not that terrible. Good um, weapons. You know, what about Desmond Ritter? Is he going to get, you know, he's got some, you know. He's going very late. He's like QB 30. Now, the one player who I was I was kind of fishing to ask is that he's going about QB 14 to 16 right now. Who's got better weapons in the NFL than Geno Smith? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Gino is such a like non, there's no upside, doesn't run, he's a veteran. But the in the 2QB league, floor two, high, man. 2QB league, and he's, he's competent. I don't love him, though. I feel like he could crater. I, I, I don't know. There's something, he had a bad second half. I, I, don't, I, I don't think, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's probably uh, savvy people will be picking him. But um, Stafford goes hyper late, QB 19, QB 20. Like those are, if you're going to play like, hey, everyone else is going for QBs. Let me get Jamar uh, uh, Chase. Let me get Jefferson. Let me get CD. Like really just like stud receiver room with AJ Brown. Stafford, Geno are the weight on QB guys for me in those flex leagues because they won't go in the top five, six. Maybe starting like round six, they'll go. Right. You load up on just like position players and then you get like three or four full-time QBs that, you know, you can toggle and you just got to hope it's not like last year where Aaron, I mean, last year it was such a wasteland when you had like Stafford, Rogers, Russell Wilson. It was like, you were getting nine points and the guy Brady failed. Yeah. Yeah. But you get like nine and like the guy with Mahomes was getting 38 and you'd be like, holy (laughs) shit. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter that I have a huge advantage at running back and receiver because this disparity is just too big at the QB. And that's why Mahomes is going in the first round, by the way. Yeah, I mean, and that I, we can continue the Superflex conversation and the sleepers question as, you know, time goes on, especially post-July 4th. Uh, that's all I got for you, Chris Liss. Uh, I'm glad the Real Man Sports Podcast is back with an active episode. Back with a vengeance, Alan. Yeah. Thanks yeah. to you. So, uh, all right, man, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to put this on the podcast, and you guys can check out realmansports.substack.com if you want to check out the written version of this and uh, other stuff. Yeah, and just also anyone that's looking for daily content over on RotoWire, the YouTube page, putting up tons of free content right now. And, you know, uh, anyone that wants to give it a try that's never actually paid for a membership over at the main site, rotowire.com forward slash try will get you the unlock the paywall for two days. The draft kit's live over there if you want to check that out as well. I'm still on RotoWire all the time, even though I'm not working for them. I still use the site all the time also. So myself too. All right. All right, man. Take it easy, Alan. Thanks, dude.